0: Hello everybody, I'm Pam Pastor, host of The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. I'm happy that you found me, but more importantly, I am thrilled that you have found Jesus. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus, and as we journey together, we'll be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. So I'm hoping that you're going to join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we will delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure to email it to me at pampastorcopywriting@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And friends, as we enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. This benediction comes from Moses' brother, priest Aaron. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, today we're starting part two of our look at false teachers, and we start right off the bat with heresies. Now, what does exactly does a heresy mean? Well, according to the Vines Expository Dictionary, it means a choosing, a choice, an opinion, especially a self-willed opinion, which is substituted for submission to the power of truth it leads to division and the formation of sex such erroneous opinions are frequently the outcome of personal preference or the prospect of advantage so by the time john wrote first john most of the eyewitnesses to jesus's ministry had died Some of the second or third generation Christians began to have doubts about what they had been taught about Jesus. And some Christians with a Greek background had a hard time believing that Jesus was both human as well as divine. And because in the Platonic thought only a person from which one desired to escape, they thought that the body was that prison... So heresies developed from a uniting of this kind of Platonic thought in Christianity. A particularly widespread false teaching that was later called doceticism from a Greek word meaning to seem held that Jesus was actually a spirit who only appeared to have a body. In reality, he cast no shadow and left no footprints. He was God, but not man. Another heretical teaching related to Gnosticism, from a Greek word meaning knowledge, held that all physical matter was evil, the spirit was good, and only the intellectually enlightened could enjoy the benefits of religion. Both groups found it hard to believe in a savior who was fully human. So John answers these false teachers as an eyewitness to Jesus's life upon earth. He saw Jesus. He talked with him. He touched him. He knew that Jesus was more than a mere spirit. And you know, friends, it is said that John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. In the very first sentence of his letter, John establishes that Jesus had been alive before the world began, and also that he lived as a man among men and women. In other words, he was both divine as well as human. And through the centuries, many heretics have denied that Jesus was both God and man. In John's day, people had trouble believing he was human. Today, more people have problems seeing him as God— But Jesus' divine human nature is the pivotal issue of Christianity. Before you accept what religious teachers say about any topic, listen carefully to what they believe about Jesus. To deny either his divinity or his humanity is to consider him less than Christ the Savior. So today we're continuing forward, as I said, with part two of False Teachers, So yesterday, we identified false teachers as being a hindrance to bringing God's word to the people. They would bring messages that contradicted the word of the true prophets. The disciple John confronted three of their lies. Number one, to claim we belong to God, but then go out and live in sin is hypocrisy. We cannot claim fellowship with God and continue to walk in darkness. Number two, we all have a sin nature, claiming no sin was ludicrous. Then, as well as now, we're all born sinners who need Jesus' saving salvation, making us no longer at enmity with God. And finally, number three, after becoming Christians, believers still need to confess and repent of sins daily, so any barrier between us and God can be removed. Today, John is teaching us about the false teachers denying that Jesus was the Messiah, God in the flesh. If we believe that Jesus was God incarnate and trust him for our salvation, we are then children of God. And in the book of John, chapter 2, verse 22, it says, And who is the great liar, the one who says that Jesus is not the Christ? Such people are antichrist, for they've denied the Father and the Son. And when it's when John's calling someone an Antichrist, he's saying that they have the spirit of the Antichrist among them. In John's day, the Antichrists were claiming faith in God while denying and opposing Christ. To do so is impossible because Jesus is God's Son and the Messiah. To deny Christ is to reject God's way of revealing himself to the world. A person who accepts Jesus as God's Son, however, accepts God the Father at the same time. The two are one and cannot be separated. Many cultists today call themselves Christians, but they deny that Jesus is divine we must expose these heresies and oppose such teachings so that the weak believers among us do not succumb to their teachings. And John penned five of the 66 books of the Bible. His writings, like the rest, were all inspired by God. Yet each author brought their own experience, background, and style to their assignment. John wrote one of the four gospels. He also wrote first second and third John all epistles or letters and you could call these pastoral letters written to congregations and all believers everywhere He also is responsible for writing the book of Revelation that was addressed to the seven churches in Asia and all believers everywhere. I also like to point out Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 which says God blesses the one who reads this prophecy to the church and he blesses all who listen to it and obey what it says. For the time is near when these things will happen. The book of Revelation reveals future events but there are is not the gloomy pessimism we might expect. The drama of these unfolding events is spectacular. But there's nothing to fear if you are on the winning side. When you think about the future, walk with confidence because Jesus, the victor, walks with us. And in Revelation is a book of prophecy that is both prediction foretelling future events as well as proclamation which is preaching about who god is and what he will do prophecy is more than telling the future behind the predictions are important principles about god's character and his promises and as we read we get to know god better so that we can trust him completely the typical news report is filled with violence or even microchipping scandal, political haggling, all depressing, and often we wonder where the world's heading. But God's plan for the future, however, provides inspiration and encouragement because we know he will intervene within history to conquer evil. He already won at the cross of Calvary. John encourages churches to read this book aloud so everyone can hear it and obey it and be assured of the fact that God will triumph. When John says the time is near, he's urging his readers to be ready at all times for the last judgment and the establishment of God's kingdom. We do not know when these events will occur, but we must always be ready. They'll happen quickly and there will be no second chance to change sides. The reason for providing all of this history and context to John's writings is to further illustrate how he was a writer who had a style or a habit of noting both sides of a conflict. Here he wrote in John, 1 John to show the difference between real Christianity and anything else. Here are some of his favorite contrasts and note all of these are found in 1 John alone. Light and darkness. The new commandment and the old commandment. Loving the Father and loving the world. Christ and the Antichrist. Truth and lies. Children of God and children of the devil. Eternal life and eternal death. Love and hatred. True prophecy and false prophecy. Love and fear. And finally, the last contrasting point would be having life and not having life. So let's take a final look at what John advises in chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 where we learn about discerning false prophets. Here he says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world This is the way to find out if they have the spirit of God. If a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ became a human being, that person has the spirit of God. If a prophet does not acknowledge Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. You've heard that he is gonna come into the world and he is already here. We must never believe everything we hear just because we're told it's a message from God. There are many ways to test teachers to see if their messages are truly from the Lord. One way is to check to see if their words match what God says in the Bible. Other tests include their commitment to the body of believers. You see, the Antichrists were not total strangers to the church. They once had been in the church, but they really didn't belong to it. And John does not say why they left. It's clear that their reasons for joining in the first place were wrong. Some people may call themselves Christians for less than the best reasons. Perhaps going to church is a family tradition, or maybe they like the social and business contacts they make there. It may even be that going to church is a longstanding habit and they haven't asked themselves why they do it. We must have a Christ-centered reason for choosing to be Christians. So, I would ask at this point, friends, what's your why? Why are you a Christian? We should press forward in deepening and strengthening our relationship with Jesus, becoming loyal, trustworthy followers. Still, other tests of false prophets include examining their lifestyles and the fruit of their ministries. Hands down, the most important test is what they believe about Jesus. Do they teach that Jesus is both fully God and fully man? Our world is filled now more than ever with the rise of social media to claim voices who speak for God. We must apply these tests to determine if indeed they're speaking for him. It's true, some people are gullible and believe everything they read or hear. Unfortunately, many ideas printed and taught are just simply not true. And the Antichrist will be a person who epitomizes all that is evil and he will be readily received by an evil world. And John countered two major threads in the false teaching of the heretics. In First John, the false teachers denied the reality of sin And then they denied that Jesus was the Messiah sent by God. So friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, Jesus made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in God's son, Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ to never sin, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary gift of kindness back to jesus however we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him we can make efforts to obey him deepening our relationship today so friends if this is you take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me father god i'm repenting of my sins meaning i'm changing my ways of thinking jesus come into my heart I confess your shed blood washed away my sin at the cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And consider growing in a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will edify and help you build up your faith. Now, let me be the first to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your lifetime. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present-day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, what love and action looks like, biblical trust, and many more. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark of a podcast of not only adventure and exploration, but of all things Jesus. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure to like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes as they become available. And much of today's podcast referenced my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or compelling, you can pick up a copy from my website, at PampastorCopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or com. But more importantly, friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It is full of God's word and it is waiting for you to read it. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. So until next time, friends, God bless you.